keep on telling them that it's okay. Because if I have to read one more time that 5e stuff is going to be compatible with 1D&D, when I've already seen the playing test stuff and it changes everything, like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a little bit like um, Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. Right? Yes. This is for your own good. This is for your own good. We're going to make these changes for your own good over and over again. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. We did this for you. When, when retailers tell, you know, Watsy, hey, you're printing too much project product, you're killing players because they don't have enough money and they want the stuff and they're getting frustrated, they just keep coming back to the stores and saying, that's not true. We're selling more than we ever did. Players are buying it all up. And I said, no, stores are buying it all up because they didn't know you were going to do this and we were used to ordering a specific way and now we have to rethink our business systems and i bet you by the end of this year their sales of magic stuff drop off significantly as all the stores go we can't order the same quantity of stuff that we've been ordering we have to order less because there's 11 products instead of four exactly in order to make those numbers work because you're not going to have anyone that's going to well, you probably do have people that buy everything, but they're probably becoming fewer and fewer with some of these sets that are coming and out. And they might buy everything, but in a smaller quantity than they bought before, too. Correct. Trying to somehow maximize the amount of content they can get. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just, I don't know. It's, I wish they would listen sometimes. Who knows? Who knows? What we do know is that hello and welcome to Red <laughs> Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I am your host, John Parrott. And with me today is the venerable Jamie Matthew. Venerable. Yes. Venerable. All right, rock on. It makes me feel like I'm a, a dragon at this point, right? I mean... Ancient, ancient dragon? I I'm feel a venerable like dragon? As the owner of the shop, you can make your title whatever you want. So if you want to throw dragon on there, I think it counts. I well, think I think works. for the longest time I would have been a red dragon, right? But uh, anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm going from the evil red dragon and I'm becoming the silver dragon. So <laughs> it's... Uh, you know, everybody, if you want to know how to get gray hairs fast, the, the answer is easy. Have employees. <laughs> Most people would say kids, but yeah, I get you. There's not a lot of differentiation there. <laughs> There's not a lot of differentiation there. Uh, Jamie is from my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. Uh, the... Uh, Anyways, oh yeah, I, I really threw off our intro this time because we well, we were talking about something kind of serious, it and was. then we just all of a sudden you just did the intro, and I were like, oh man, I thought I had the energy, I thought I had the wave, but apparently not. This is just going to be a just Jamie episode because we are looking at the new year as we're recording this. It is the first of 2023, which means in yes. the small amount of checks that I write throughout the year, it's always going to be 2022 and screw up. Yes. Um, yeah, I just, uh, my family was at our house last night, and uh, a bunch of them stayed over, and I stayed up a lot later than I was expecting drinking. Uh, I bought a bottle of cheap California champagne, beautiful. and uh, my brother and my dad and my sister-in-law and I were up drinking and just chatting around the kitchen table. Lots of fun, but uh, I, we probably shouldn't schedule the recording of this so early in the morning. I thought about that after we had gotten it done but here we are and it's going great so far i got up and made biscuits and gravy and scrambled eggs and oh. and we had a good breakfast this morning I'm, I'm feeling good but there's a little residual champagne still hanging on out there right uh well we'll see if we can't shake that out of you by the end of this podcast because we've got some things to talk about but the first thing i want to talk about was kind of a change from our, our a deviation from our normal pattern because normally uh, we talked about how the store was last week, but I've talked with you a little bit. I know that all that grandma money and, and uh, it's just been Christmas busy. money has, has kept it super busy. But in this with case... With all the kids on break, too. Oh, yeah. With all the kids out of school, it is always super busy this period of time when, you know, Unit 5, District 87 let all the kids out until they go back. And that's why, you know, a lot of places um, today, they're starting to do their inventory and we won't do the inventory because we don't want to close the store when mm -hmm. there's parents relying on us to be here because they need something to do with their kids. And so we won't uh, we won't do inventory till next week um, because and that's when all the kids go back to school. That's how yes. we time it. We do the inventory when the kids all go back to the classroom. Very clever. But because that's upcoming, I do want to talk about a little bit uh, on the Red Raccoon future. So yeah. the build-out is going strong. You might be able to peek through a window or a door sometimes and see that 
Uh, definitely there is some demo going on. I was wondering if you could give us a little update on where you are and how it's looking so far for your planning. Yeah, so uh, this last week, they have been building the elevator shaft. Uh, a big part of this project and a huge expense is that we are installing an elevator because we uh, are going to have the playroom in the basement and we need to make sure that we have equal access for everybody to that basement. And that involves an elevator. And it turns out elevators are not cheap. But this week, they have been building that elevator shaft and they just cut the floor and brought the elevator. The, the bricks are going up, and then now they're rising from the basement through the first floor. So that's kind of kind of exciting to watch. Um, let's see what else. Uh, most of the walls have now been framed in for the where the walls are going to be for the store. I think this next phase is the electricians coming in and running electrical everywhere they need to go. And then... After that, I think it's time to start going, okay, let's do drywall and floors and things of that nature. I'm planning on spending this next week trying to create kind of a final layout of furniture and what are we going to do and what's the cash wrap look like and things of that nature. So we're going pretty good. The big stumbling block is this is a this building is old, right? It mm -hmm. was it was built after the most recent fire was rebuilt in 1939. It's been remodeled several times, but the most recent remodeling that I can find any record of of a significant remodel was in the late 70s. And we're, because of that, we're having to redo all of the electrical coming into the building. So the entire feed coming in is a 440 amp feed right now, and we're upgrading it to an 880 amp feed to meet current code recommendations. And that means that the, the there's a massive electrical panel where all that comes in and the meters go and it gets distributed throughout the building. That panel could be our Achilles heel on this mm. whole project, right? They were originally concerned about the elevator, but the elevator company is like, no, we got it ordered. Everything's on track. We're looking good. Everything seems like it's fine because we ordered the elevator earlier than anything else in the product, project to make sure we were okay. Now this, this electrical panel could be the problem. Hmm. So, and we're we're not we don't know yet. We're we're hoping everything okay. everything seems like it's going along, but this could be the issue. Well, just a reminder: uh, if you do want updates on how things are going and you want a little sneak peek, you can join our Patreon. Uh, I think the $5 level will get you just enough where you can kind of get an idea of, of the changes that are being made and some of the planning that's going on. And Jamie's been really good about keeping that updated. Um, yeah, I got another video that I hope to get uploaded yet today. might be tomorrow. And actually, one of the things we plan on doing is uploading this podcast to the Patreon a day early. Uh, so that way you can... Uh, when we actually say things, you might actually be able to hear them in a timely manner to come into the store if we talked about a hot item. Um, but we also just want to try and provide uh, some quality and some ability to get an insight into what's going on at the store. So we thought that would be a good place to put this as well. Hopefully this week, I am also going to get some uh, time to, we want to create a Discord channel specific to our patrons from the patreon as well so that they can interact with each other and and we can get some early information out to them on discord as well so hoping to get a chance to get that up and running uh yet this week perfect excellent well with that uh, let's talk a little bit less about business and a bit more about board games jamie have you gotten a chance to play anything lately um what did i oh yes i did since the last time i was on um Catacombs, uh, uh, Clank Catacombs. Clank yes. Catacombs. I've got a chance to play it twice now. And I I think that anybody who's listened to us from the beginning or just talked to me in general knows that my two favorite game mechanics are deck builders and tile laying games. And you want to guess what they added to Clank? Tile laying. So Clank Catacombs is is really cool because the the classic game is we're all thieves, we're running in, we're going to try to loot as much stuff as possible and get out before the dragon kills us. That's kind of our basics of Clank since the very beginning. And it's a deck builder mechanic, everybody starts with the same cards, we buy new stuff, we're trashing stuff, we're trying to optimize our deck, we use our deck to fight, to get money, um, and to move throughout the dungeon. 
and that part is all still there. That's what that's a great part that deck building. But now the dungeon is not a static board. It's a it's a series of tiles, and you don't know what's going to flip out until somebody tries to run off the edge of a tile. Then you flip a new one to see what happens, and it really changes the game. And it was so fun. It's so fun. That is. Again, what you're saying of just people kind of learning the track of Clank always kind of just made it as a, well, once you get it, you got it game. And this is the, I didn't even see this coming. It was a perfect way to change up the game and really create some variance there. They also added a a new mechanic to it with lockpicks as well, where there are, when you go to certain rooms, there are chests or traps or even prisoners that if you have lockpicks on your character you can unlock those things for bonuses. You can unlock prisoners, and every time you unlock a, a, a cage, I guess, that they're being, a cell they're being held in, you get two prisoners, and some of them just give you straight victory points at the end of the game. So you have victory points without clogging up your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then others give you bonuses that you can use throughout the game as well. Interesting. And then you can, uh, by unlocking chests, you can get major... Um, bonuses which we've always had the major bonus the large tokens and then you can unlock tomes which give you information that gives you a secret uh, or a magic tome but that that's a card that does clog up your hand because it sits in your hand for the rest of the game but then they added some new companions that do things like if you have a secret tome in your hand this additional ability happens so it's kind of a they balance it out some you can really build your character out instead of just being the, the deck itself. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I like so I, I got a chance to play that twice so far, and we had a good time. Uh, for Christmas, I managed to get three games from my lovely wife, and, um, well, I will say that two of them weren't exactly what I was expecting. Okay. Uh, but one was fantastic. So uh, to start with the ones that kind of uh, left me wanting, uh, Snack Time. So yeah. Snack Time is a, uh, it is not a, it's somewhat of a roll and write. Uh, the idea that you are connecting pipes because you have monsters that are living in the sewers and they have to reach up and grab the uh, pedestrians that are walking by above you. And that's how you get bonus points. Uh, how you connect your monsters to the different manholes determines how you can gain points. Because you can't alert, if you if you do too much, you might alert the military who come down with flamethrowers into the caverns to roast you. Correct. Yeah. So you have to try and be good about what you grab, but... I think one of the parts of the game that was difficult for me was also you gave your monsters um, traits as well, and those traits then allowed you to pick up certain pedestrians. I never saw the way to really build a strategy. It felt like by the time I was I had a strategy going, uh, the game was already at a close, and I, I'm not seeing the development. Now, I will say there are some other expansions that come with the standard box that we did not play, so maybe I was just playing the the baby level the version vanilla. of the game exactly and i needed to get a little bit more context but the art on it is phenomenal and really the the look and feel of it is good i would still say it's a good game and to try it out if you do like roll and rights um because the next one i will tell you i was even more disappointed in and that okay. was the isle of cats roll and right really yes that one's been really popular too because the Isle of Cats was such a popular game, and it was a fantastic game. And it's isn't it the Rar and right? Ra- oh no, that was Dinosaur Island. That was not. Ra- sorry, it's uh, Explore and Draw is what it's called. Okay, so it very much feels like you're you're trying to play the, the Isle of Cats game again because you've got cats in certain order, uh, certain shapes, and you got to try and fit them into your okay. boat. Uh, you still uh, are able to get extra bonus points. You're still able to do some special things. It really feels like someone at the Isles of Cats company said, how can we make this game for cheaper uh, and get it into more hands? Because it very much feels exactly like the game. Uh, you do have some really nice dry erase boards that you're working with and different colored markers that come with it. So as you are drawing in your cats... Um, you still have that distinction of color. But I will say, the fact that I'm drawing my cat makes it very hard to actually see what's going on sometimes, like the different groupings that I have or like trying to fill spaces in. I, it becomes somewhat more of just a hassle of actually doing the writing than it is making me feel like I have some freedom there. Okay. And um, that was released as part of the second Kickstarter. Correct. They... They did the, the Kickstarter that added the kittens to the main game, and they also said, by the way, there's also this draw and explore. There's a part of me that wonders if this was actually the first 
design thought of the game like they were going to make it into a roll and write uh and then down the road decided to make it into a full size game and seeing how that was successful went back to the original idea because i feel like everything is refined in the actual board game itself yeah that's interesting okay cool um but the game that i absolutely love that we got was ahoy which is from the creators of uh, Root, Root, as well as, oh, what is the one where you're playing as kids? Reset, Fort. No, Fort, yes. Yeah, leader games. Yep, so you've still got that same art style. They also did Vast, the yes. Crystal Caverns, and then Vast, uh, Mysterious Mansion. They have been, in my opinion, they've been hit, knocking it out of the park. Like, everything they've put out, I'm very curious about, very interested in, and always feel like it's a unique mechanic. Did you ever notice that every single one of their games is four letters? I did. Okay. I picked up on that. Yeah. And Ahoy follows in that tradition as yeah. well. So I would say Ahoy is like a simplified version of Root. If you like Root and you want to try and get your friends into it, this might be a great way to kind of give them a little bit of a uh, stepping stone into a larger game that is asymmetric, where you have different people with different abilities doing different things. Uh, you can either play as the blue team, which is kind of like the established dominated race uh, of the sea, or you can play as the yellow team, which are kind of the usurpers. But if you play four or five, uh, three or four player games, you can also have smugglers that are trying to smuggle in between this giant war that's going on. Okay, that's pretty um, cool. It's, so it's kind of asymmetric then, just like Root was. Exactly. Okay. One of the nice things about it, though, is with Root being on a static board, uh, this is a tile layer. So Ooh, you get so you got me right there, John. Yep, you yep. got me. Each tile has kind of four regions. There's islands. There's like wreckage you could go through, but you could get treasure from it. Um, and so it's you really trying to dominate these tiles. Even though there's four regions of the tile, you can kind of see who is winning in that area, and then also increasing the value of tiles. So in the four-player game, the smugglers, the more they smuggle to islands, the more that island is worth. So then the main two competing armies are going to try and vie for that location okay to uh to get as many points as possible to win Do the, the smugglers game. end up handing points to the other players though because they made the island too valuable they were uh not really because as long as they're smuggling that then puts them in they could take orders from another type of island and get out of the way of the fight afterwards and then try and reinvest in another okay. island as well okay. so they're gaining points by making these deliveries the army is making points by dominating these islands it's you have different type of boats and they all have kind of their different strategies and it's it's a really just well put together well thought out asymmetric game that i would completely accept from this this game company okay all right, I'll have to get that uh, on the on the table. I haven't. It came out, and it was in the midst of so many other things going on. Yep. I just never even got a chance to touch it. So I it somehow it had passed us, um, which was very shocking. And as I'm recording this now, I realize I did not take a picture of the new hotness. So we might have to go from memory, or I'll run upstairs for that one. I I, I think I can hit it pretty well. Awesome. All right, sounds good. Um, so. Because I can't think of a really good segue for it. Let's <laughs> let's talk about some news. Hey, I didn't even call it out this time. That is fair. That is, that is fair. That's that is fine. Um, so let's go ahead and start an article that Jamie, you actually sent me. Now, for those of you that want a little peek behind the scenes, normally I go, I find some articles, and that's what we talk about after everyone's read it. But uh, Jamie kind of threw this one f from me uh, to me from the Washington Post, uh, titled "We're in a Golden Age of Board Games. It Might Be Here to Stay" by Jacqueline Piercener. Um, so did I bump the cable? I think you did. There we go. Sorry. All right. Oh, yep. There we're good. I'll try and cut. Oh no, it's still there. Give me a little bit. Go twist. Uh, yeah. Other way. Other way. There we go. Yeah. All right. Kay. I won't touch anything now. Brief stop. So in this article, we basically, uh, with Washington Post coverage, get our favorite hobby talked about. Um, and in a really positive light. Exactly, which sometimes is not exactly what we're seeing with some of the news articles we get. But this is looking at, uh, you know, post-pandemic, what people are wanting, what um, what is really a new way for people to socialize. And it focuses really well on how board games have become just an a, a emerging trend within society here. Yeah, this was an article that I actually shared on the Red Raccoon page I don't know, maybe four or five days ago, the article actually came out on Christmas Eve, so it was like a nice little Christmas present to the industry. 
and um, they really did a nice job of talking about it, the actual if the the final paragraphs of the article are something that I've been saying for a long time. So I don't know who this guy is if he just stole my ideas for he listens to our podcast or what. But it says, um, you know, the atmosphere of an in-person game is hard to repl- replicate virtually. I think it's something we kind of miss and crave because the digital world is so isolating in a lot of ways, and it's impersonal, and a board game is very personal. You're sitting across, you're seeing the other person, and you're doing this very shared experience together. We've been talking about that on this podcast since I mean, the very beginning. It's why I, we're here, really. Yeah, like we're I've sitting been talking about it to uh, everywhere when I go out and I, I speak to things because I've been invited to speak to, you know, to... School teacher conferences and nonprofits and all this stuff about what we do and why we do it, and and that's what we talk about is board games are are people are pushing back from everything we do being screens, and I think that COVID really hammered that because now you know if you when you were working in the office you know you you could do some socialing and, and socializing with the people that are around you and you maybe you stop and you go to the conference room and you had a meeting or. You could stop what you were doing and walk down for lunch and sit around some people and have some food. And then we went to a work-from-home model where you were in a room by yourself most of the time. If you had a spouse that was also working from home, then there was somebody else around you. But a lot of people were by themselves all the time during COVID and staring at a screen all the time. And we heard over and over and over again from folks of, I just, I just don't want to look at screens anymore. I just want to do something. And, and a lot of families really put a lot of emphasis on um, putting like family board game night back into, um, into the regular routine. Mm-hmm. It, it is the social aspect. It's easy. It brings people back together. Absolutely. And I think that this is something that's going to be a, a reoccurring trend because uh, I was listening to Simon Sinek, uh, who is a great speaker on workplace and environment and, and building people. Uh, not just companies. And so he was talking about how he thinks that this argument about work from home is not going to be something where companies are able to overrule this anymore, nor is it going to be where everyone gets a work from home job. He thinks that it's going to be about flexibility, about what you need and about what works best for the situation. And I think for many people, they want to connect with more people. They want, but they don't have to do it through work anymore. With the flexibility, they can kind of choose their, their, the people that they want to socialize more and use their social energy on and board games obviously are making that impact one of the paragraphs from the article that Jacqueline posted was the global board game market has an estimated value of 11 billion to 13.4 billion and a projected to grow by 7 to 11 percent within the next five years now that doesn't sound like a lot but for a company that's actually pretty significant growth is something that you only see you know you pass 10% if something is wildfire. Um, and, and even then more so, it kind of ramps up after that. We'll skip down a few lines from there. Year-to-year uh, board game sales compared to the same period in 2019 increased 28%. You know, since I purchased the store in 2014, the industry has experienced double-digit growth every year. Every year since 2014. And like you said, that's unheard of. When you, when you start talking about other industries, you know, I came from the computer industry. You spent a lot of time in the in the financial mm-hmm. industries. Um, you don't see double digit growth every year. No, it, it doesn't happen. And and a lot of people, a lot of industries took it on the chin during COVID. A lot of things did not go well, um, especially in the entertainment industry because we're kind of the we're we're. We're retail, but energy entertainment adjacent retail. Right. Yes, and um, the entertainment industry took it on the chin pretty hard during COVID, and uh, most board game stores came out of it doing pretty well as long as they had the ability to cater to specific types. Right, um, Magic didn't do great during um, during COVID because Magic relied on being able to sit down with another player and play, and that wasn't really possible for a big period of 2020 and, right. and a decent chunk of 2021 um but board games you could take home and play at home and have with your family and you sold a ton of one-player board games and I sold a ton of two-player board games 
Magic and Warhammer were a little harder to do. I think once you realize board games can help you create memorable moments in your life, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. Um, There's a header header in this article, too, that always makes me laugh every time, right? Because people use it all the time when they write articles who aren't part of our industry. More more than than Monopoly Monopoly and Candyland. Yes. Because there's always Monopoly and Candyland. (laughs) Every time somebody writes an article, Monopoly and Candyland. Uh, one last statistic I really want to throw out here is the last sentence in that paragraph we were reading. Uh, card games, so that could be a variety of different games, are up 29%. But if you look at just strategic card games, such as Pokemon and Magic the Gathering, are up 208%. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's a price point, I'm sure, there, too. Because for a consumer, a pack of Magic cards isn't that bad, Uh Comparedly to you know like a sixty dollar game, so and you can do that on a much more frequent basis. So, Pokemon um, during twenty twenty one, Pokemon there was absolutely a bubble that happened of insanity, and so that drove a ton of that growth. I'm sure right there because Pokemon was basically printing gold for about a year, maybe mm-hmm. a year and a half at that point. And it was as fast as we could possibly keep up. And we were in the fortunate position of, I had built some really good relationships with multiple different distributors in multiple parts of the United States. And we had more Pokemon, access to more Pokemon product than any store in central Illinois, including the, some of the big box stores, Target, Walmart, they didn't have as much as I had access to. And I was running some numbers. Here's a little behind the scenes. I was running numbers for the store, and I was looking at everything up through the end of November. And the store as a whole is up, but our online sales are down. And our online sales were down 70000 That's 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 a pretty significant that's a dip, amount. Yeah. Um, but the store in-store sales is up more than that, so we're still up on the year. And I was doing some numbers and went back, and I couldn't figure out what the dramatic difference was. And then I hit the Pokemon category, and the Poke almost almost all that seventy thousand dollar dip that we're down in online sales is because the Pokemon bubble popped, uh-huh. and, and now we're back to. You know, we have tons of families and tons of kids, and we teach them how to play Pokemon. We teach them how to play games. But that bubble has gone away where we had we had so much product that we had in excess, and everybody locally could buy pretty much as much as they wanted because of us. And then we would sell all the rest of it on our web store. And that kind of dried up. That's not necessary anymore. You know, people are back to just buying for their local places because their local places are now satisfying demand. So that, um, that excess and all that online sales have, have dried up for us this year. Um, luckily we weren't dependent on that. It was just a nice to have. And, and I've often joked that with this new building that we're building, I'm going to put a little plaque somewhere in there and say, this is the house that Pokemon built because, <laughs> Um, that's pretty much where the down payment for doing this building and this project came from was Pokemon sales in 2021. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I'm so looking forward to this new building simply because the ease of being able to show off games and display games is going to be... Gosh. It's going to be amazing. Oh, so, man. It's going to be amazing. Our, our community is so awesome, and, and we just want to build something amazing for all the people that live here in, in Bloomington Normal at this point in central Illinois because mm-hmm. people are driving here from everywhere and we you know we just had customers in yesterday that I was helping from or uh, Friday that I was helping from Galesburg that they're like we normally go to Peoria but we wanted we heard about how cool this store was and we wanted to try something different so they drove two hours hour what hour and 40 minutes from Galesburg just to come check us out and then I hooked him up and sent him over to Luca for some pizza when they got nice, out. excellent choice. Yeah. Well, now that we're doing Patreon, we'll we'll probably start doing like Patreon episodes only, like exclusives, and yeah. uh, maybe just the best places to eat in Bloomington will need to be an episode for. Oh man, for you, I've I love food. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, so speaking of some of your projected numbers, uh, I thought you were gracious enough to give us kind of some of your. Uh, most sold game listing uh, this year, as well as you know some of the products that sold the best. And so I wanted to look at the list of the board games that 
that for 2022 seem to rock the house and we've already talked about one off the podcast and that is happy little dinosaurs happy little dinosaurs was our number one selling game of 2022 and that is in large part because anna loves that game Mm -hmm. it's an Mm -hmm. inexpensive fun easy to play card game anna loves it so much She's so passionate about it when people ask her for a recommendation that the way that she talks about it with this passion and this energy, um, it, it just it, it blows it out of the water, right? And so that's the number one selling game of the year. And, and it turns out that on a regular basis, the same people that bought the base game come back for the expansions because they were, they're like, wow, she's right. This is a really fun game. So they come back for all the accessories and, and to, to fill out their the rest of their collection on it. The best kind of customer. The yeah. one that gets invested. Yeah. Now, as much as Anna talked about Happy Little Dinosaurs, you talked about the next game just as much, if not more, and that is Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza was our number one game of 2021, and it's the number two game of 2022. And I think that uh, it's hard to imagine there were people that we didn't already talk to about it in 2021 because it tore up the charts last year. It, uh, with the number two game of 2021, number one was Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. The number two last year was the Christmas version, Santa Cookie Candy Elf Snowman. Oh. And, but that this year was just out. We just couldn't get it. It, would, it's, it didn't even make the top 20 because we just we couldn't get access to it. And so... Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza number two. Again, quick, simple, easy, and it's it's 12 bucks. It's yeah. like if, if you have one hour of entertainment with it, you know, that's still cheaper than going to the movies, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to have a good time with it. You're going to have a good time with it. Now, the number three game is one that, for some reason, can't pop into my mind, and that is Illusion. Did I miss Illusion? Where did that come from? No, Illusion was the number one game of 2020. Oh, Illusion really? was Jeff's favorite game. And everybody that came in the store, Jeff would say, have you seen Illusion? Let mm-hmm. me show you how to play Illusion. Because you can literally, we can teach people how to play Illusion in three minutes. Um, in 2020, Jeff was averaging selling one copy of Illusion every day of the year. And that's a lot of copies of any game. And now we're running into people who are like, no, I already have that game. Because <laughs> Jeff sold so many copies of Illusion to so many families. Saturated the market. He saturated the market. So the, the number of copies we sold this year is way down on Illusion. It's a simple card game. And again, it's like it's $14. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's just a lot of fun. You can teach people who aren't gamers. Who There's those people out there that, are, that are insist, like, I'm, I'm not a gamer. I'm not going to play this. I'm not. Well show them this game and and it's so easy you can play it in 20 minutes sitting at a bar and having a beer and and um yeah it's just a, a crazy simple game so it's so so the, some of these games they have a longer tail right if you're right. um malcolm gladwell you'd say this is the long tail on those games where we're we're past the the hump where we had peak sales on them but the game just keeps hanging on and they keep printing it and and we keep selling it because it's again it's just a legitimately good game now, one of the newer games on the list is actually not only number four, but also number five because of the different standard and deluxe editions. But uh, Flamecraft, yeah. which is probably one of the the newest games I think on this entire list, um, and it is understandable why it is up there. Dicer Dice Breakers, a source for a lot of the news that I bring up on the podcast, even had an interview with the creator about how you know he looked at Root, he thought it was amazing, and he said, "I want to do something." just as potent but just overload people with cuteness just and that is exactly what that game exudes like it's fun you've got some puns in there uh you have some really cute dragons with all different names but it doesn't make the gameplay complex uh it is just the right medium weight game for many many events that you might have it might have moved up a lot higher on the list if we hadn't run out right we sold everything that we had i um i actually was on tv on the news talking about flamecraft and we had people coming in from the peoria from lincoln from places where you know wmbd broadcast to i saw you on tv i want the dragon game and then we just we ran out and uh this one's published by lucky duck games and i reached out to them they're like dude it's out everywhere it's to the point where 
you know, it's a the the regular version was a thirty nine ninety nine game. The deluxe version was seventy nine ninety nine. You got the metal coins and the plastic dragons and all these upgraded bits, and the value was so high. It just they, they they can't make it fast enough, and so I don't think we're going to see another wave of uh, Flamecraft come in until February or March. But there's people scalping it online right now at you know two hundred bucks a copy. Yep. And um, yeah, it's just the game is and, and at two hundred dollars a copy, I think that it probably if you put like did a value equation of the number of hours you're going to of enjoyment you're going to get for the number of times you play it. It probably still worth it at two hundred dollars a copy, and that's that's bold statement, Cotton. Right? There. So, <laughs> we'll see how it pans out. Yeah. Um, and then following that is another staple of the store. I know Pokemon probably built the new store, but the paint could probably be afforded by how many times you sold Goblet Gobblers. My sister-in-law was in town. Kelly and I were gone. We we were off doing something. I think it was at a um, Origins last year, and my sister-in-law. They're up in 90 miles away. They were in town for um, Riker's birthday, and he said he wanted to come to the game store. So she put the kids in the van. They drove 90 miles to come here to go to the game store. Um, They're up near the Kankakee area. And uh, they went home with, she thought they were just going to get some stuff for him because it's Riker's birthday. And they went home with stuff for everybody. Aww. They didn't tell the the staff that they were my family, so they got no discounts on anything. I probably would have cut them a break for being family, right? And one of the games they went home with was Goblet Gobblers. And she said, she's like, Sutton keeps beating me. And Sutton is uh, eight at this point. She's like, Sutton keeps beating me. And I'm like, what the heck? I wasn't even trying to throw the game. You know, Cooper's <laughs> Cooper's the youngest, and he's four. And see, he's not quite there yet. He gets mad when he gets gobbled. Mm. But Sutton keeps beating Carrie, and she's just like, I'm not even trying to throw a game. Kids love the game because it's a variant of tic-tac-toe with two extra rules. And kids are super flexible with their thinking, and they're good with it. Adults, we have been trained our whole lives that this is how tic-tac-toe works throw in those two rules and it messes with people's brains and they just can't keep up with it. Overrides you. It's our. It's definitely, Goblet Gobblers has been our number one game that we would say is our number one kids game at least the last five years. I will say that the first time I came to the store, I saw Goblet Gobblers on the demo rack. And I don't think there has been a time I've come in the store where Goblet Gobblers is not on the demo. I don't think it's there right now. And I was oh, actually really? thinking yesterday when we were talking about it, I'm like, I need to get that back on the demo table. Yeah. Kids love that game. It's amazing. Adults love that game. A lot of families will put it in a bag and take it with them to go to the restaurant. It's so portable. They can go to the restaurant. The kids can play while they're waiting for food to come out. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, we'll just go through the rest of this list just really fast. Wingspan, which was an amazing game. It Actually, in the article that we were referencing earlier, they even talked about how it, it was one of the breakaways, especially on Amazon this year. Yeah. And then further down the list, um, you know, almost towards the end of the list, Wingspan Asia, the new... You can play it as a two-player only version of Wingspan, or you can add it to your base game to take your base game up to seven players. You can, or it's got a solo mode. Um, Wingspan Asia also made the list too. Uh, Cluster, Don't Llama Dice, Root, which we talked about earlier, uh, the version of Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza for Christmas, Santa Cookie Elf Candy Snowman, mm-hmm. uh, Tinsy Betrayal on the Health on the Hill, which got its third edition this year, which. Uh, it's still needing to get put on my table, but I keep on hearing some good changes were made. Um, Splendor Duel. Uh, that's a brand new one. Yes, we, yes. That probably would have been higher on the list, too, but it ran out. It was out for most of November because we got it, and it sold out the first weekend, and then we went to get more, and they're like, nah. Now, the last two on the list are kind of surprising to me, and that is the Uno Star Wars Mandalorian version. Mm-hmm. So... Is it just it has fo- different pictures on it? That's all it is. Okay. There's okay. nothing special about it other than the cards have characters from the Mandalorian card game. And from when the you, Mandalorian if you slap Baby Yoga onto something, it's hard not to get it to sell. It, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, there's nothing special about it. It's it's Uno. But people still love to play Uno. There's nothing wrong with Uno. No. God, we all grew up playing Uno. Even though the Uno Twitter keeps on shooting themselves in the foot by trying to make <laughs> rules... <laughs> Um, With no trying to enforce the rules as they're written. <laughs> um, and, and for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, Uno Twitter came out, and I think they said that you cannot play a draw two on a draw two or a draw four on a draw four. 
which everybody has played that as a house rule for yep. their whole lives, and Twitter just lost its mind. Yep. When they tried to clarify and say, no, 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 this is the rules as written, Twitter lost its mind. Truly, that was the beginning of the end for Twitter. <laughs> that that was the small stone that caused the, the avalanche. Um, I will also say that the last one is playing cards themed around James Bond. Yeah. Made the list. Yeah. I, I, you know, Theory 11 is this company that makes the super premium standard 52 deck playing cards. And they really, they got their start by making super premium cards for people doing um, uh, magic tricks with them. Mm-hmm. Um, illusions, however you want to reference it, right? And that was their niche for the longest time. And about two years ago three years ago they started bringing in some licensed content as well and we have done very well with both the just the beautiful designs they make of the standard cards as well as the licensed ones the first licensed ones were star wars cards Mm. and they replace all the face cards with characters from the various movies so um, you had, you know, uh, of course you had uh, Luke and Leia and Han and Darth Vader and the Emperor, but you also have um, Rey and Ky- uh, Kylo Ren, and, and, and they're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. So then they did, they did Star Wars first, then they did Avengers, um, they did done ones around the new Dune movie, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a, a really, really cool set around themed around the Beatles. Huh. And then um, we just got in the James Bond ones again, absolutely beautiful. And the new, um, the newest ones are Lord of the Rings and um, the Batman, the Christopher Nolan Batman series. So it's got um, all the characters, Batman and Catwoman and, and Alfred, but it's also got um, Bane and the Joker and you know all the characters from the Christopher Nolan Dark trilogy. Knights trilogy specifically. So They're I just gorgeous, right? And and collecting playing cards is something that I didn't realize really occurred until a few years back. Whenever I uh, married into my wife's family, and I found out whenever someone goes somewhere, that they always ask for is some sort of you know a deck of cards, and that starts a collection for some people that mm-hmm. continues on. Now you also sent another list to us, and is this just the RPG best-selling list? Is yeah. that what I'm looking at? Yeah, I thought it'd be fun. No, absolutely, it is, and it's interesting to see what products. From from RPGs are really selling now. I will tell you, ninety uh, percent of this list seems to be Dungeons and Dragons Five E, um, with the number one spot being held by the new Dragonlance book. Which Jamie, you haven't gotten even a chance to talk about the new Dragonlance book to us. Have you Have you devoured it yet? I haven't even cracked the cover on it yet. I've That's- been so busy. It's but I'm I'm getting a couple days off, and it is already packed in the bag. Perfect. It is already packed in the bag. But I do have to say, in the last podcast, you guys talked about it a little bit, and there was maybe not the most accurate information out there. I I knew that we did not have the right right cast member to fully illustrate that. But yes. Yeah, because it's just because Ryan hasn't had a chance to play with it yet either. But just for clarity, Kryn is the world. Dragonlance was the the War of the Lance was the saga that were all the most famous um, modules and books were written written about this War of the Lance. But if you play um, Spelljammer, you can absolutely fly from um, Toral, the Forgotten Realms, and you can go to Kryn space, and you could actually leave your take your characters from Forgotten Realms and fly to Kryn and then be in, in Kryn space as well. The beauty of what Starjammer opened up, the, the multiversal... Yeah, you, can, you can go to Greyhawk as well. Yep. You, can, you can also fly to the world of Greyhawk. I don't know. remember what the, the shard is that Greyhawk is named. I think you can fly to Eberron and yeah, yeah, pretty much anywhere all, in the multiverse. They're all created as various parts of the multiverse. So, uh, By the way, segue. Can I, can I segue hardcore? Yeah, hit, hit. We do this, right? Right. Did you see the new trailer for the newest Spider-Man in the multiverse? Yes. It was looked pretty awesome. It looks... So, I, I actually... There's a part of me that... I love trailers. Jamie and I have, have talked about this just the other night. Like, I will sit down with my Apple TV, there's a trailers app, and I will just watch the worst trailers possible. I love them all. Um, but the spider-man one for this i had such faith that it was going to be a good movie there was a part of me that said i might break tradition and not watch this trailer because i just you didn't want any spoilers the first movie utterly was was fantastic and it was so 
off the cuff good and i i walked away and i will never forget that was one of those movies that made me just feel like that was a perfect film and i i believe that they can do that again uh with the sequel so i was like i don't know if i want to watch it but i caved the other night i watched it absolutely loved it the the just the nods and the references we've already seen i can tell is just the tip of the iceberg and i love all of it because now i want to see it more because i want to how is that how are they working that in I exactly want, ah, what's exactly. happening here exactly um whoever cut that trailer did a very well job very good job i now i want to see the movie even more than i did before in a alternate universe i would have loved to when i'm you know my version of kren uh i would have loved to be a trailer cutter like i feel like that is such an art and with certain movies it must be so hard in the world in a world i don't want to i don't want to do the voice acting for it i just want to be able to be the ones that can make something i just want to cut the trailer no i will direct that person but i to be able to craft something that makes you want to see something but not give too much away of it i think is just such an art that i would love to refine okay um and considering i spoil so much on this podcast i probably wouldn't be too good with it (laughs) Uh, i will say to no surprise the second most sold thing is the player's handbook which means you know people are buying it people are still playing it they're still getting introduced and sucked in and two of the junior high schools um we talked about before that every high school in town has a DD club now two of the high or junior highs are introducing DD clubs so we've got a whole new generation of younger players coming looking for the player's handbook and their dice and something like that too Mm -hmm. so we'll kind of skip some of this stuff it's it's things that you expect dungeon master's guide some spell card books things like that but there are two games that are not dungeons and dragons related two products i should say that i did want to kind of give a shout out to the first one is magical kitties save the day rpg which if you know ariel you know magical kitties she will talk about magical kitties for years to come yes um because it really is one of the first i don't know i don't want to say like kid friendly rpgs and i know there's been more but this one has a different vibe to it it, it doesn't just call it like a different time period or a different you know yeah, yeah because we had um uh the first kids one that i think that we stocked in the store was called like maximus adventurous or something like that and it was a guy who he was trying to figure out how to explain uh dungeons and dragons to his five and seven year old and they weren't it was too much it was mm-hmm. too much so mm-hmm. he created this game and by the time he got done created, his kids were old enough that they were playing 5e. And it, it we sold a bunch of copies of it, and it did okay. And then I think that he just kind of lost interest in it because his kids were now grown, and and he moved on to other stuff. And then um, then we had No Thank You Evil, and that one did really well as, as well. And that, that one had a lot more staying power. We still sell it. It just doesn't sell as fast. And it's a great game aimed at like that, that, that five, six, seven-year-old to the point where a lot of people have told us that they use it in it's taken over and that's what they do instead of bedtime stories is they'll do they'll move their adventure forward and um they they work it with their kids and it's just a really cool more card based um storytelling game and then magical kitties caught like the niche of it came out during the pandemic and and it's easy enough for maybe a little bit older kids to run the game for other siblings or their other friends. Yes. And I think yes. that's the difference is that the other one's parents kind of had to be involved to guide kids along and pull them through because it was really aimed at the younger kids, mm-hmm. that four, five, six, seven year olds. And then Magical Kitties is maybe the seven, eight, nine, ten year olds, and they can run it themselves. And that's more of a self play a game with your sibling and go, go play the game over there. And yeah. yeah, and I've been telling people for a while, it's now the. The number one non Dungeons and Dragons selling RPG system in the in the store, and it might have been last year too, and I just didn't pull the report to look at it. So the one other game that's on here that's not D and D related, which I did not fully understand until I watched a TikTok of it the other day, is Alice is Missing. Mm-hmm. And from the TikTok, I was blown away and have wanted to play it ever since. So the idea is. Many times we get upset whenever people are on their phones while playing an RPG. For some of us, like, you know, sometimes it helps us actually retain attention on the game, but it does look somewhat disrespectful. Uh, Alice's mission, uh, Alice's missing doubles down on you using your phone because the idea is you don't talk about the game with the people in the room with you. You are in a group chat. 
and you are texting in this group chat about this mystery of, of where Alice is. And so as you play, you get these prompts that come along to you that reveal secrets that kind of tell you a little bit more about the character you are in this situation. Um, but you are basically having an epic Twitter, I mean, an epic uh, chat thread mm-hmm. uh, that is your game. And it sounds so good. And I really want to get that on sometime. The most popular demographic of that is teenagers, too, as mm-hmm. you would expect. That's yep. who's buying it. I just sold a copy of it Friday to uh, three teenage boys. They were probably 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And, yeah, it's just it's a steady seller. And, and people, everybody comes back. Uh, the big thing now is they're trying to find additional content of what do we do next. Right. And I, you know, that's where I'm saying make your own stories, write your own stuff, come up with the, you know, you can, you don't have to have it handed to you. You can make your own worlds and create everything. And um, that's where I'm walking over and showing them some of the world builder guides that we have. And um, hopefully they can take it to the next level and, and keep it going from there because it sounds like they're having just an amazing amount of time. It's a different entryway into role playing that you you don't normally see. Normally you have to find the somewhat flamboyant people, the somewhat loud people, the somewhat exuberant people to really lead a charge. But in this one, no one has that social the radio announcers. Exactly, uh, no one has that that social responsibility of being the leader and getting things done. It's more of just this small, quiet, communal experience. And that's really, really cool. Yeah. I thought that was fun. that I didn't even realize that that was going to make the list. Right. Um, So, uh, these are games that have sold extremely well in the store. You're always trying to keep it in stock. But for people that want to come in and see the newest items... Uh, what's on the list right now, Jamie? This is where you're you're gonna have to, oh, to pull it out for me. Remember. You jerk! You jerk! <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's some um, there's some great stuff up there. Um, a lot of publishers try to get their games out the door earlier in the year, so there's not a ton of board games. What we've been seeing is we've been seeing kind of some of the stragglers where they just couldn't get it through in time, and so um, Zombicide, Undead, and Alive. Uh, big seller. It's not actually sitting in the new hotness right now because there's not enough room for it, but it's sitting on a table in the back room in the, in the minis area. And that was a Kickstarter again from a year and change ago that we finally got through. And um, everybody who has played it says that it's just a great experience. I know you and I haven't got on the table yet. Yep. And it's, it's solid. It's absolutely solid. It changes up a bunch of mechanics in the game too. So kind of like the soldiers in the Zombicide Second Edition really mixed stuff up with the fact that zombies had guns and can shoot at you. Yeah. Um, this one, you end up with a bunch of things where it's uh, there's a lot more types of animals that become zomb- zombie monsters and are coming after you as well. And there's also as all good old west themes should have is there's also trains in the game and you can absolutely lure the zombies and they get run over by the trains. oh that's amazing i had not heard that i did hear that one of the mechanics they changed was the spawn zoning um and and how that works and how um i feel like that's a static portion of many of the zombie side games it's just kind of you know what's coming this ad seems to add some more variety as well as some more agency when it comes to spawn points yeah um, another one, and, and adjacent to this game, but not directly, uh, that's been pretty popular, is the Thundercats expansion to Zombicide Black Plague. So you have to have Black Plague for the for the Thundercats to work. Or, or Green Horde. Well, Black Plague and Green Horde are the same world yes. system. You know, because we had the fantasy version, which is Zombicide Black Plague and Green Horde. We have the modern day version, Zombicide Second Edition. We have the future space version, which is Zombicide Invader, and then its expansions. We got the Old West version. So we have like these four different worlds of Zombicide going right now with, of course, the fifth one coming, which will be Marvel Zombicide mm-hmm. sometime in 2023. Um, Zombicide Black Plague, I've been chance picked it up and he's been wanting to play, so he's driving me to play it more often. And it has I don't have you played Black Plague at all? Have you Once, got, yes. With the ne- the necromancers and the moving the additional possible spawn zones that really yes. can mess you up as the necromancer gets away. Um 
so Zombicide Black Plague, though, has been out of print for a while, and we're, we don't know if they're not going to reprint it, if it didn't do well enough, or if we're waiting on a second edition of that to come out. We're not sure what's going on there yet, and Simon's being pretty tight-lipped about it. So that makes me think second edition, because if it was just going to be out of print, they would, Announce they that. would just yeah. tell us that ah, we're not going to make anymore. Um, but why put out expansions like Thundercats if there's not going to be any way to play them? Exactly. I think that Simon is taking a hard look at how they want to monetize in the future, and seeing the uh, Iron Maiden set come out for from Simon that includes so many different additions to games across yeah. the board, across their spectrum. Yeah. Um, I think that they're wanting to do some more of that, as well as create things that have a, a longer-lasting tale, as we were just talking about. So, for example, the new zombie side, you, they have created campaign boxes for. Yeah. And I think that that might be what we start seeing a little bit more is that that idea of you can take this content and we're just going to keep on adding to it instead of trying to generate everything new and, and fresh. So Yeah, Zombicide Second Edition has two campaigns and um, the Zombicide um, un- Undead and Alive the Old West version has a steampunk, a regular campaign and a steampunk campaign. And then uh, Zombicide, Marvel Zombicide will also have a campaign mode as well. So I, I think you're right there. The next thing coming out for that will be um, Zombicide uh, Bat Metal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've, you, and we, there's no way to explain this to you. Just go to YouTube and type in Bat Metal, and it's what happens if Batman is the leader of a death metal band. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's just watching the cartoons is crazy. <laughs> I don't think that's what it is. Uh, Bat Metal is from a, a series of comic books that just came out where it's Batman, uh, and there's all these different multiverse versions of him. I haven't seen any artwork. I thought they were doing the cartoons from YouTube. It's That's not what it is? That is not what no! it is. No! I play Batman with the amazing jowls that he's got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to be able to break this in. I'm dying here, John. So, so Batman New Metal is... Um, first of all, we have a Batman named the Batman who laughs, and it's what if Batman became the Joker? Okay, yeah. We do have um, then Justice League versions of Batman. So there's Batman where uh, he, Batman broke bad, strapped the Flash onto his onto the front of the Batmobile, and then drove really fast and absorbed the speed force. So he's like uh, the Crimson uh, something. I forget what his name is, but basically it's Batman with super speed. There's Batman with a green lantern ring. There's Batman. If he was fused with doomsday, there's Batman. If he was, uh, powered by Ares, the God of war to like fight wonder woman and things like that. So it's all these different evil versions of Batman that you can now incorporate into your game. Oh, I'm crushed though. I really I'm so thought sorry. we were doing I'm so one sorry. from the rock metal. No. Anyway, it's worth watching on YouTube and it is the, in Bat Metal. Those anyway. are fantastic. I'm just really sad that I had to be the one to break it. Because there's the one with Aquaman and Ariel in it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Man, and now people should be intrigued and go look at it. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm crushed. Because I've never seen any pictures yet of what they're going to look like. There's no pictures, just an announcement of what's coming out. <sighs> Dang it. Disappointment. Yeah. Okay. Um, other things that are up there is, uh, did you see the, the, the dragon zord? I've not had a chance there? to look at the, the dragon okay. figure yet. However, Jamie knows my love of Power Rangers and was informing me just the other night that that's something I needed to look at. Yeah, and then, and then um, and, and on kind of a, a crazier, sillier front, right? So we have sources now where we have been importing things from Japan that kind of hit different zeitgeist for our cultural zeitgeist for our customers and so um pokemon bath bombs yeah and so you put drop the bathman in there and it looks like a little yellow egg and then when it dissolves you get a pokemon figure out of it jaws bath bombs and when you drop them in the, the tub turns kind of red and um and then a little jaws pops out and floats to the top and he's even like one of the jaws figures has like the canister from the first jaws where uh the canister gets shot and explodes, it floats yeah. a shark. So, I, I, it's just cracking me up that some of the stuff that Jesse's been finding that is is popping up in there. Uh, a lot of Pokemon, um, you know, the uh, Ichiban Kuji for the Evangelion set has been selling really well. That's really popular. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of it's just a lot of random stuff that's been coming through right yeah. now. And then we're expecting the board game faucet to turn back on uh, because we. Game stores are starting to get Frosthaven. 
at Frosthaven yep. is now shipping. And so we will have Frosthaven and we'll have the folded space official inserts for Frosthaven. Um, and we haven't got a shipping date yet. And I, I some of the stores that have got them, like, did you get in a message that said shipping? They're like, no, it just showed up. We didn't, they weren't, people weren't ready for, you know, 50, 60 copies of Frosthaven to show up. I hope something happens. We've got 60 copies on the way. And somebody tells us when they're coming because, like, what the heck? You know, no shipping notification at all for. But we also know an interesting topic is um, uh, Cephalofair. Um, the company, Isaac Childers' company that makes Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, and Frosthaven now, uh, for the first time ever, they picked UPS Logistics to for the fulfillment of the Kickstarter as opposed to going, you know, Quartermaster Logistics is just a train wreck, right? Retailers hate them because all of our product keeps showing up damaged and bumped and bruises or late or missing things. And I think that the publishers are finally figuring out that maybe Quartermaster just grew too fast and just couldn't keep up with the volume. And, yeah, UPS Logistics never been involved in Kickstarters or fulfillment to the point, and here's their first one out of the games, one of the biggest Kickstarters of all. So This could be a big change. This could be setting a really different standard for how stuff gets shipped. Well, and it's it could, yeah. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out there because there's some of them like uh, backer kit. Backer kit's pretty good to work with. They're consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I enjoyed get working with Crowdox, but Crowdox, of course, now is gone, kind of absorbed into backer kit. Um, some of the various ones that are out there, but yeah, you know, every time I'm like, oh, you know, QML's doing fulfillment, we were always like, oh man, okay. we're gonna have to ship back this many of them. Yeah, I, I got games sitting on my over by my desk right now that came from QML that we're gonna have to send back because they're so abused that nobody's even gonna. Even if I marked it off forty percent, I don't think anybody's gonna want it. So, right. Yeah. So when they come in to pick up some of these new games, um, what might be some reasons to come into the store this week? Although it's not gonna be for long, correct? Uh, yeah, so coming up, we're, we're recording this on the 1st. It's New Year's Day. Uh, Happy New Year's to everybody. I don't, did we actually say that earlier? We probably we, should have said We that. mentioned that it was happening. Okay, okay. And uh, we are going to be open all this week, and then on Monday, the next Monday, which is, I think it's the 9th, if I'm thinking my days right, that's when we're closing for inventory. So mm-hmm. from now through the, the weekend, through Sunday, we're here, we're rocking it out. Um, I will tell you that if you are a Red Raccoon customer, you should start looking at your emails for some information from us probably Wednesday or Thursday about something big happening this upcoming weekend. And then we will shut down the 9th, the 10th, and the 11th, and then we got to do inventory. we mm-hmm. got to count and touch every single thing in the store. It takes... We figured it out. It took us 170 labor hours to do it last year. We're hoping to do it faster this year. But it just takes a lot of time to touch everything. Um, and, oh, here's a fun fact. I didn't send you the numbers. Um, we sold last year 4,628 dice sets. Wow. People love their dice. I, I can't tell you how many different customers that was, but I can tell you 4,628 sets of uh, dice. If you can... Transactions with dice on them. If you can just look up to tell me what percentage was Ryan alone, (laughs) I think that would help curve those numbers a little bit. Well, so we got to count every dice set. We got to count every die in the aquarium. We got to count everything. So we're going to be shut down for three days to do that, the 9th, the 10th, and the 11th. We'll open back up on Thursday the 12th, Friday the 13th of January, uh, there is the release of the new Pokemon set, Crown, uh, Crown Zenith. Um, the first few things of that is the new special set. It's the last of the Sword and Shield sets. And it's also, the re- we're doing an event that night because it's the release of Dominaria Remastered, mm-hmm. which is a new Magic the Gathering set that pulls together favorite cards from every time that they've gone to Dominaria as a plane of existence which I think is seven different sets across the last 30 years, and it's going to be like a best of. And people were pretty excited. There's some really good-looking cards in this set, and um, our Friday Night Magic group that drafts, that we're, going to have a, we're going to do a draft on Friday the 13th and a sealed event on Saturday the 14th. And uh, they're, looking, they're pretty excited. They're pretty excited about that. So the other big thing that I'll throw a teaser out right now 
a couple things just to think about in the back of your head. We've got an Ultimate Marvel Uno event coming up, and uh, that'll be February 3rd. Should try to do these in orders. We're doing a puzzle tournament. We've done them in the past where it's a speed race for teams of four people to assemble puzzles. That's at the end of January, the 29th. February, I think it's, check the event calendar, redraccoongames.com. Yep. Puzzle tournament coming up, Ultimate Marvel Night coming up, and we're going to completely revamp how we do Pokemon in the store, including we're trying to figure out how to start a Pokemon after school club. So that'll hopefully get published and be available, and I'd like to start that in either February or March if, if we can pull it off with staffing. Fantastic. Some cool stuff coming up. Very much so. Uh, and with that, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank the staff member, who is Jamie, uh, that joined me today. And if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with any of us at the store, uh, you can find Red Raccoon Games in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, where... I think there was a, a push on Facebook if I saw for uh, Adventurers Guild and the Pathfinder and Starfinder societies kind of wanting to revamp and get started again for this year. So if you yeah. are ever wanting to, to play some games and you don't have a group, you can sign up using, I believe, Warhorn still. Um, you, you can, it, it's tied together. Warhorn is where you, um, um, for Pathfinder, they gotcha. are organizing the modules on Warhorn. Um, so to reserve seats there, and then Adventures League is still through the Red Raccoon Games website. Fantastic. I want to thank Julian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout-out on the show. Real quick before we end, thank you to Tim for pointing out that a couple of our episodes disappeared. Yes. And then John was able to re-upload them, and now all the episodes are back up there. He sent us a screenshot to say, hey, was there an episode in the middle here? Because it's not showing on his list. And then I looked at my app, and I had a different list of them. So we had to up, re-upload a couple of episodes to get them yes. back out. They're they're all fixed now, and if you ever see anything like that, please let us know. Uh, we, we really love doing this. We want to make sure that you get all the quality content that you want. But until next time, keep playing. Bye, guys. <laughs>